this is the rules are coming up. The rules state that during the trial, senators are not allowed to drink anything but water and milk. That's true. Yeah, or as uh, Mitt Romney calls that, a full bar. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a Mormon. <laughs> It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome. Thank you for uh, tuning in. You know, we can't make it too big a deal out of every icon that passes. Um, It's the way it is when you're in middle age. A lot of your heroes growing up is you are trying to figure out, you know, particularly those of us in the creative fields. Um, a lot of our, our heroes, our icons, our role models are passing away because, let's see, we're hitting 50, they're hitting 70 to 80. Yep, that's about when it happens. But one of the guys in uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus uh, passed away, Terry Jones. And, you know, if if you're at all involved in the business of being funny and know people who are, Monty Python was, uh, was Jimi Hendrix. Um, Monty Python was... Uh, um, uh, Marlon Brando, 50s Marlon Brando, not fat hanging around with Jacko, crazy Marlon Brando, but a guy whose acting was acting like human beings really act. Devastating portrayals on the screen. But anybody in the business of funny, uh, Monty Python, like, um, uh, like Jimi Hendrix, so enlarged the palette of what you could do. I mean, it's like, um, and, and they were not the only ones, obviously. But the absurdest things they did and the, 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 how far they'd go over the top with a bit, it was as if you went from a 15 letter alphabet to a 26 letter alphabet, comedically speaking. Uh, John Cleese, who was, uh, also one of the Pythons, uh, just tweeted, it feels strange that a man of so many talents and such endless enthusiasm should have faded away so gently of his many achievements for me the greatest gift he gave us all was his direction of life of brian perfection he also uh uh directed uh, what was the other big one uh life of brian and was it uh, holy grail oh 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 um yeah yeah monty python and the holy grail um and then cleese says because he's a python two down four to go of the six guys uh two have indeed passed uh, I saw, oh, Eric Idle, who's also one of my beloved Pythons. I loved him the moment I saw him on stage at the Edinburgh Festival in 1963. So many laughs, moments of total hilarity on stage and off. We have all shared with him. It's too sad if you knew him, but if you didn't, you will always smile at the many wonderfully funny moments he gave us. So they're a nice, a, a nice tribute. I actually saw Graham Chapman, who was the first of the Pythons to pass away. Um, in the 80s, he did a live show. Um, in which he, he talked about Python, answered questions, and, and the rest of it. And then there was supposed to be a long video montage of their work. Um, highlights from the movies and the shows, and he was going to talk about it and the rest of it. And it started, and the video machine glitched. And he said, what's the, it, it's not working? It's, um, no? Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Thank you. And he left. <laughs> and the show was over. And it was like, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, wait, you can't add lib? You're one of the greatest comedic geniuses of the 20th century. Your video machine breaks and you give up? Turns out he was rather ill at the time that I think factors in, but, yeah, I'll never forget the disappointment. You, you, you can't leave? This has been going on for like 40 minutes. 
But, yeah, what are you going to do? I was immediately, uh, you know, enraptured with the silliness of Monty Python when I first watched him as a kid. Yeah. Like, the, like the cheese shop or the four Yorkshire men. I, I thought that those uh, were some yeah. of the funniest things I'd ever seen up to that point. Well, and the writing is so clever. I mean, as they were being utterly stupid, the writing was so incredibly yeah. smart. Oh, argument clinic. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> my favorite bits. I, I As a guy who has the entirety of their creative output on DVD, uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I, I wanted to make one more point about that. And what was it? Oh, I don't know. Their work lives on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we're talking briefly. Oh, I want to tell you what's coming up, first of all. A couple of tech stories you might be very interested in, including it's looking like, you, you remember old MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia? The guy notable? with the, the most expensive painting on the most expensive a- yacht? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he's uh, he's the big reformer. Who is uh, who? Who abducts dissidents and 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 saws them into fifty pieces in consulates when he feels like it? Uh, he may have hacked uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon. And there's more to the story than that. And also, uh, Sean handed me this. I absolutely love it. Uh, some of your smart devices might go dumb and Whoa. be as useless as doorstops soon. And and the why of it's pretty interesting. But. Mentioned this a little bit earlier, and this is serious. Excuse me, sip of cool water, one of the two beverages permitted on the Senate floor. I see you're you're passing on the milk still. I'm not going to sit here and drink milk. I get all it's, phlegmy. It's all milk. Else. It's really good for you. That's fine. Proteiny goodness. So there is this guy by the name of Daniel Selovich, who legally changed his name to Pirate. He lived in Redding, California, which is in the northern part of the state, the Ding, as we affectionately refer to it. We've been uh, huge in Redding uh, since the time people needed gigantic antennas to pick up a radio signal from uh, hours away in Sacramento. And now we're uh, privileged to be on a station in Redding, and and thank you for for airing the show. But anyway, um, so this guy lived in, in Redding, um, and he raped people. He's a convicted sexual predator. He was arrested in New Mexico in 2010 for a Redding rape case. He pleaded no contest and served four years in prison. He was released and headed to Fairbanks, Alaska, where he held a woman captive in a remote cabin for five weeks and repeatedly raped her. He's a monster, an absolute monster. The alleged victim told police, uh, well, he, he explained it. Oh, he also beat her if she dared resist in any way. The woman was finally rescued daringly by helicopter. This guy was charged with rape and kidnapping. Now, this woman was so damaged, previous to the crimes and certainly by the crimes, that she died of a drug overdose. So charges were dismissed. There's no one to testify him. So he was turned free. In 2018, the Las Vegas Review-Journal reported that this man, who changed his name to Pirate, was sentenced up to five years behind bars for a sex crime he committed against a woman in a wheelchair back in 2004. But court records showed he was credited for time served for the a year and a quarter or so he spent behind bars prior to his sentence. 
By the way, there's a, a, a video that I came across. I'll zap it over to you, Hanson, so we can post it at armstrongandgetty.com, of a guy in Fairbanks, I believe it's in a bus station, confronting the guy and saying, get out of Fairbanks. You're a rapist and a monster. Get out. We don't want you here. Which relates to that. the headline, interestingly enough. The authorities are telling Reddingites and people in California in general um, if you see this guy, don't say anything, don't do anything. Leave him alone. Number one, he's probably dangerous. And number two, as the copper said, and this is absolutely true as far as it goes, we are aware that Daniel Selovich, a.k.a. Pirate, is back in Reading. He was contacted by officers early in the day, is not currently wanted for any crimes. Don't try to grab him or attack him if you see him out and about, uh, said the, the police sergeant. Uh, Todd Kogel, I live here and have loved ones here as well. I know it's worrying to know he's on the streets, but he is a free man. You have to treat him like every other man you see on the street. He has a substantial criminal history, and at this point he has paid his debt for what he's been convicted of. Which brings us to the gulf, sometimes small, sometimes enormous, between law and justice. So the message to the people of Reading is, this monster who rapes and rapes and rapes, who takes prisoners, beats them, rapes them, who attacks and defiles women in wheelchairs, who rapes somebody everywhere he goes, and these are just the ones he's been caught for and convicted for, has done a total of five years and change in prison, and is now walking the streets of a lovely, medium-sized city full of women and girls. And the residents are being told, listen, our system gave them what uh, was going to give them, and you just got to leave them alone. And, and you do have to leave them alone. But the whole hashtag Me Too movement and the concern for women and women's rights and sexual violence against women, which is... Uh, you know, some of it's kind of overwrought, but to a large extent, it's way overdue. It's good stuff. It's righteous. Um, there's got to be something we can do about a person like this. Meanwhile, I guess leave him alone. But for God's sake, keep your eye on him. Armstrong and Getty. I didn't know Ken, but what I did know is he was very smart, he was very tough, he was very talented, but in a certain way I was sticking up for Clinton, for Bill Clinton, and uh, you know, I felt, I sort of still feel that way, I mean, what he did was nothing good, there was a lot of lying going on, there were a lot of things, a lot of bad things, now with me there's no lying, there's no nothing, they have nothing, they don't even have a crime. They say there's the only one that's ever been impeached, and he didn't commit a crime. I didn't commit a crime. And then you get into high crimes and misdemeanors. But I didn't commit a crime. So, no, I have great respect for Ken, but I didn't think, frankly, that Bill Clinton should have been impeached. 
Talking about Ken Starr, obviously, who is part of the president's legal team. That was from a, an unscheduled and Trumpian freewheeling press conference at the end of the Davos conference. He did a, a couple of shows, I guess. And then he said, hey, hey, uh, media, you want to talk to me? Let's talk. And he just he talked about everything um, completely unguarded. And we have some of the uh, some of the tape of that, some highlights. He, he mentions uh uh, Greta Thunberg, he mentions John Bolton, Pompeo, Rick Perry, Rudy Giuliani, you heard Bill Clinton, Bob Woodward, uh, uh, pretty freewheeling, so we will have that for you in a couple of minutes. Jack is on the phone? Well, a, an exciting moment, we don't actually take callers. Could you explain to Mr. Armstrong we don't take callers? Thank. <laughs> Here he is, what's up? Uh, nurse is running late. My son has a medical procedure today, and I need to be there to hold him down for the medical procedure, and the nurse is not there yet, so I'm calling into where I make my living. Um, that's what's going on there. So I was just reading Ian Bremmer's Twitter account as I sit here waiting for the nurse to arrive. Oh. He's in Davos. Um, two things that he mentioned that I thought were really interesting. Uh, one, as you are just talking about all hey, the stuff. Hey, by the way, Trump- as long as you're on the phone, why don't you claim to be in Davos? I mean, that'd be exciting, wouldn't it? I'm here in Davos. Oh, the beautiful mountains here. It's Switzerland, isn't it? Right. How do you like the food? It is Switzerland. Oh, wow. (laughs) You'd think you would have noticed that at the airport. (laughs) I had some Swiss Miss cocoa. I've had lots of chocolate. Just all I've eaten is chocolate. Any cheese? And if so, what kind? (laughs) (laughs) But so Ian Bremmer said in Davos, not one person has brought up impeachment to him, which I think is pretty interesting. Yes, I would say, especially because as the great United States goes, so goes the world economy, and that's what they're there to talk about. Right, but so the whole the whole idea that, you know, this doesn't feel like impeachments normally feel, and we, this is just the third one ever, but they aren't going to be teaching this in school in 100 years. They aren't going to be teaching this in school in five years. It's just, it's just not, for a variety of reasons, a big historical event. Uh, certainly not yet. I, I think it may be paired up with the Clinton impeachment, which, you know, I don't want to relitigate of, uh, the entire thing, but there are plenty who think that it, the, the Republicans should not have gone there for all of Bill Clinton's sins. Um, but uh, anyway, I think it may be paired up with the Clinton impeachment, uh, the the moments then that the uh, that America realized, look, unless it's something truly crazy, you just got to wait for an election. Yeah, I could see that as a, as that that is where it's going to stand historically. Assume we continue as a country, um, is that we went through this weird, incredibly partisan time where we did this sort of stuff and it wasn't productive, and we moved away from it. I hope that's the way the story goes. Well, I, I think um, most people feel that way. But can we listen to clip forty-two very quickly here, fellas? Worth keeping in mind that some have not let that torch go out. We will not stop. Whether or not that leads to another impeachment activity, I don't know. But I know we must continue with the work uh, that our constituents have elected us to come to Congress to do. So, Indeed. Carry on, (laughs) ma'am. So Maxine Waters and her enablers on MSNBC are talking about a new impeachment as soon as this one's done. Yeah, I doubt the pendulum has hit the far end of... of, uh being divided yet uh, we got a presidential election this year so um boy the snow is starting to fall here at davos and it's just beautiful at uh w- watching it land on the billionaires planes and everything well, what what so time pretty. is it there jack 
Um, uh, quarter till three. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So it's uh, several hours and like 20 minutes off. That's an odd time zone. But the other, the other thing that Ian Bremmer said to me moments ago here in Davos was uh, it's, it's agreed. He, he, he went to some sort of conference where they're talking about uh, technological developments and how it affects the world. And everybody agreed that the, the most troubling technological development of recent times is the ability to do deep fakes. Mm, yes. And, you know, and, and that's not surprising to me that when you get world leaders together, they think that because we think it's troubling here in the United States. We still have some credibility in our institutions in the United States, our government, our media, some. We're destroying it on a daily basis. Well, and but some shared principles the- that really animate the country as opposed to a lot of countries where it's just a raw struggle for power. Right. But how about, yeah, how about all the countries where there's there's no belief in the institutions, the media, the government, none. And now with deep fakes, holy crap, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I actually heard uh, the, the, the people on Nakedly Progressive Radio talking about how the Russians tried to interfere with our elections, and it was just so silly and so naive and so Trump-oriented. I, I've always hated that phrase. They, they tried to uh, mess with our society. If you want to say the campaign, that's more accurate. It sounds sexier when you say the election as if they were altering votes. But what they were doing, they did not even slow down the day after the election. They're doing it today. They will do it tomorrow. They will do it in 10 years. It's not about elections. It's about weakening the U.S. Well, I'm going to go shop for some wooden shoes like everyone wears around here so I can fit in. Mm. And we'll uh, just let that one go. Um, but they don't uh, wear wooden shoes here? It safe travels to and from Switzerland, Jack. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Your expensive, smart, whatever, could be a useless brick tomorrow. We'll explain why. And uh, did the the head guy in Saudi Arabia hack the head guy from Amazon and why? It's a really interesting story. We'll squeeze that in this half hour. Also, uh, hero furries in San Jose rescued a woman who was getting beaten in a car. These guys in their pink dinosaur suits and wolf costumes and the rest of it. Oh, actually opened the car door, dragged a guy out, and sat on him till the cops could show up. It was, you know, certainly among the most honorable moments at the furry convention in San Jose. And we salute those strange rangers for their courage and, and standing up for the, that gal. So, well done. Uh, meanwhile, back at the impeachment. I am struck by what we have heard from the president's counsel so far tonight. They complain about process, but they do not seriously contest any of the allegations against the president. And they lie, and lie, and lie, and lie. It's embarrassing the president's counsels would talk about this today. We've been respectful, and you don't deserve, and we don't deserve what just happened. The only one who should be embarrassed, Mr. Nadler, is you, for the way you've addressed this body. You owe an apology to the president of the United States and his family. But most of all, you owe an apology to the American people. That the president claims monarchical powers, defies the law in a dozen different directions, 
all the time and lies about it all the time and says to Mr. Cipollone here to lie about it. I think it is appropriate at this point for me to admonish uh, both the House managers and the President's counsel in equal terms uh, to remember that they are addressing the world's greatest deliberative body. One reason it has earned that title is because its members avoid speaking in a manner and using language that is not conducive to civil discourse. That is the dad, Chief Justice Roberts, telling the Congress children, Nadler in particular, and Cipollone, the president's guy, I understand why Roberts had to say, I'm telling you both equally, because he can't be seen as a shill for either side. He's a judge, but telling them, look, if you want to sit at the grown-up table, you got to talk like grown-ups. We don't act like hormonal jackasses here in the Senate, all right? Congress idiots. Anyway, so uh, that's a, a note from the impeachment, and we'll have more to come as interesting things happen, but not until. Meanwhile, the president's over in uh, Davos, which I think is a good PR move. It's uh, the Clintonian, and I think just appropriate move of going about the business of the country. I mean, what, what do you want him to do, sit in the Oval Office and watch TV all day? No, he's he's being the president, whether you think he ought to be booted out or not. He's He's doing his job. but So after the Davos Economic Forum, uh, we just heard Jack reporting live from there moments ago. Um, he, he gave one of his freewheeling, long, ask-me-anythings uh, to the assembled press. Why don't we start with clip number 30, commenting on the impeachment. Gerald Nadler, I've known him a long time. He's a sleazebag. Everybody knows that. Uh, Pat Cipollone is a high-quality human being. I was very impressed with Pat. He had great emotion yesterday. Pat's a brilliant guy, but I've never seen that emotion. And that's real emotion. That's because he knows this is a hoax. And uh, I was very proud of the job he did. I've known uh, I've known Jerry Nadler for a long time. He supposed many of my jobs. I got them all built, very successfully built in New York. But... Uh, so we have yet another fight. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Isn't it surprising? Isn't it amazing? But <laughs> Double amazing. Yeah, it's funny how many of Trump's rivals, uh, you realize that the gripes go way back to the 80s, the 90s, various New York City uh, you know, controversies, the rest of it. Uh, and then the president uh, spoke openly about a couple other impeachment-related uh, issues. How about 31? I would rather go the long way. I would rather interview... Bolton. I would rather interview a lot of people. Uh, the problem with John is that it's a national security problem. You know, you can't have somebody who's at national security. And uh, if you think about it, John, he knows some of my thoughts. He knows what I think about leaders. Uh, what happens if he reveals what I think about a certain leader and it's not very positive and that I have to deal on behalf of the country? It's going to be very hard. It's going to make the job very hard. Uh, he knows other things, and uh, I don't know if we left on the best of the terms. I would say probably not, you know, and so you don't like people testifying when uh, they didn't leave on good terms, and that was due to me, not due to him, and so we'll see what happens. Boy, that was an interesting collection of thoughts. Yeah. Including the, and, and listen, even if you think we must have many witnesses and new evidence, and this should go on for weeks and, and the rest of it, um, your national security advisor would have to be extremely careful in answering questions. 
it would almost have to be in writing for national security reasons. Um, and Trump gave a hint of, of some of that right there. Um, but he said, yeah, bring, uh, bring everybody on. Call everybody. 32. When you have a national security, you could call it presidential prerogative. You could just call it the way I look at it. I call it national security for national security reasons. Executive privilege, they say. Uh, so that would John would certainly fit into that. When you're a national security advisor, like this gentleman is doing a fantastic job, Robert, um, I just think it's very hard. And I've always gotten along. I've actually gotten along with John Bolton. Uh, he didn't get along with other people, a lot of other people. But when he knows uh, my thoughts on certain people and other governments, and we're talking about massive trade deals and war and peace and all these different things that we talk about, uh, that's really a very important national security problem, I think, having somebody. Uh, other people, uh, Mick Mulvaney is probably around here someplace. I'd love to have Mick go, but I think that uh, he's really expressed himself very well when he did a Chris Wallace interview. That was a very, very powerful interview. That was a long, tough, Chris is a tough interviewer, a very talented guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's not much he can add. He's been He's been great. All right, I agree with most of that, but I want to hear what he had to say about Rudy. You know, he could be a witness at some point if this whole sham continues. Uh, I would love to have Rudy on the team. He, Rudy is on my team, just so you understand. But I'd love to have him up there. But it could be that he'd have a conflict. It could be. But Rudy Giuliani is somebody that I think the press has been very unfair to. Greatest mayor in the history of New York. Think of it. And one of the greatest crime fighters of the last hundred years. And he hates to see what's happening because he knows corruption really better than anybody. You know. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's a lot of truth there about Rudy. He was a great mayor of New York City. We will never know how many lives he saved uh, through his, um, you know, his various programs to clean up the city. Uh, how many dollars flowed in from tourists? How many? Jobs were created. The the good he did. I mean, he did enormous good as the mayor of New York City. He's an American hero. On the other hand, I think he's now kind of a nutty old guy who's got enormous divorce bills and is looking to make a buck. You don't know what you're talking about, idiot. Well, okay, fair enough. Fair criticism, Rudy. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think he's also an unmoored cannon, if you will. And I've said many times, if Trump ever does go down, Rudy Giuliani's name will be in the lead paragraph. Uh, But enough of that for now. We have a couple of tech stories that will fascinate you. Next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. theme park is under fire for forcing a pig to bungee jump. <laughs> when asked for a comment, the pig said, dude, be cool. They turned all my friends into corn dogs. I'm just trying to buy some time over here. Right? <laughs> now, come on, China. <laughs> yeah, see, we have one more David Spade joke. Is it pretty good? That's only 10 seconds long. Hit it. A man was arrested at an airport in Peru with 20 live birds in his suitcase. 
In related news, the big magic show in Lima has been canceled. <laughs> All right. Uh, I love how yeah. quickly he gets in and out of his jokes. Yes. It's yeah, so impressive. Kind of, yeah, yeah. We should end with the pig joke. It was funnier, though. <laughs> um, so uh, the world's richest man had his phone hacked during what he thought was a friendly chat with Saudi Arabia's crown prince. Sources are telling The Guardian, which is a pretty solid newspaper. That investigators have determined that large amounts of data were extracted from Jeff Bezos' phone after he received an infected video file from Mohammed bin Salman during a WhatsApp exchange in May 2018. First of all, MBS and Jeff Bezos are, 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 are getting together on the WhatsApp in 2018. Got to be some sort of billionaire boys club secret handshake phone right. Rolodex. They, they laugh at Davos. They think Davos is the Walmart. They go to wherever, the Bilderberg Group. <clears throat> anyway, so let, first of all, let's get over the two of them lying in bed, WhatsApping each other as they before they go to sleep at night. <laughs> no, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> You're a pookie. <laughs> uh, UN expert investigating uh, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi told the New York Times that the serious allegations against MBS will be addressed in a public statement on when today. Sources tell the Times the UN plans to raise allegations directly with the Saudi Saudi government. Oh, so Khashoggi worked for the Washington Post, right. which is owned by Bezos. Right, and it's thought that MBS was, well, I'll just quote from this story here. The Times uh, sources say investigators believe the Saudis, who apparently targeted Bezos over a coverage of the country in the post used the prince's phone to hack him because they believe messages from Solomon would not arouse suspicions. So they're, they're hackers and they're, uh, they're spooks and they're goons. Maybe the same guys who hacked up poor old man Khashoggi said, Hey, uh, Prince MBS, tell you, tell you whose phone call he'd answer. Well, not a phone call, but a WhatsApp. Yours. Can we borrow your phone? And MBS said, hell yeah, you can borrow it. Wow. Yeah, so uh, Gavin DeBecker, who's Amazon's head of security, Jeff Bezos in particular, his head of security, said last year that his investigation had determined that the Saudis had accessed Bezos' phone. Now, that investigation, you may remember, was launched after those racy texts from Bezos to his lover ended up in the National Enquirer. And I remember uh, the theories at the time that it was her brother. She's like, I don't show my brother my sex, which, you know, I'm all for family closeness, but that's friggin' weird if you do. Um, and and uh, she denied every route for how anybody got it from her. And I remember hearing, you know, it could have been the Saudis. Me thinking, what do the Saudis care who, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos is, is, is tapping to use the parlance of today's youth? Um. Uh, oh, turns out that's not true, though. The Saudis have denied the allegations. So I stand corrected. Uh, recent, uh, well, the they Sa- denied it doesn't mean it, it's They false. wouldn't lie to us. <laughs> Saudi officials deny the allegations. Quote, recent media reports suggest the kingdom is behind a hacking of Mr. Jeff Bezos' phone. That's absurd. We call for an investigation on these claims so we can have all the facts out. Oh, you're, you're big fans of transparency <laughs> there in Saudi. Thank you for that lovely little bit of humor. Uh, and this is, uh, it's kind of funny, but it's frustrating if you, if you bought any of this stuff. This is a great example of how your smart device could be a, as dumb as a brick pretty soon and as useless as a, as a hunk of wood. 
They make the point here in uh, what's that, what website is this? I think it's like Ars Technica is what the oh oh yeah that's a good site. I like to give credit for good journalism. Um, they say any smart device comes with its own set of benefits and trade offs, but one huge shoe waiting to drop with every single one of them. Anything you can connect, anything you can connect, can be disconnected at the other end. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. There have been a few great examples of this recently, but uh, today's example of smart stuff going dumb comes courtesy of the folks at Under Armour, which is effectively rendering its fitness hardware line very expensive paperweights. They announced recently that not only have their big um, fitness app been removed from all the app stores, but the company is no longer providing customer support or bug bug fixes for the software, which will stop working completely at the end of March. You see, if you didn't buy any of this stuff, here's what we're talking about. They launched a lineup of connected devices in 2016. You got your wrist dealio, like a Fitbit, mm-hmm. but it's an Under Armour bit. You got a smart scale for your bathroom, and then a chest strap style heart rate monitor. So it's like all your exercising gear talking to each other and building data for you to... Communicating with the right. app on your phone and exactly. creating a, a database of, of you. How you're doing, yeah. why, what you can do better, blah, blah, blah. Nice fitness stuff. And it's all really expensive. The scale and the wristband, for instance, 180 bucks each. I'm here to tell you, you can get a pretty good scale for a lot less than $180. <laughs> Tells you how much you weigh and everything. With the heart monitor at an overpriced $80. Now, if you're the thrifty sort, you could uh, buy all three together for a $400 bundle, which is a 0% discount if my math skills are... I think you said 40 bucks, right? Four, so. I'm sorry, 400 It's a $400 bundle. Right, right. So, yeah, but... It, so 180 and 180 360 plus 80 So that's... So 440 oh, would be... Oh, you do the, get a $40 yeah. discount. I'm sorry. I have impugned the good folks of Under Armour and their representatives. Is uh, LeBron James an Under Armour guy? No, no, I no, no, so. no, no, no. Uh, uh, Steph Curry is. Correct. That's who I was thinking of. Um, I've got a file in the back of my brain right about here. Basketball superstars of the 2010s. And uh, there they are. Uh, so in 2017, less than two years after launching the Health Box line, Under Armour gave up on the project. <laughs> Healthbox and the three products comprising it gradually vanished from both literal and digital store shelves. And the market has evolved, and we've evolved with it, said their chief tech officer. So your $180 scale is now uh, a paperweight. It doesn't make it clear to me if you can still weigh yourself on it. It's probably still a scale, Yeah, right? it just doesn't communicate and store data. There's also some interesting things about how... You can export your workout routines to future fitness apps, whatever you pivot to, but you yeah. can't grab the data about yourself. TMI, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, uh, well, you're overweight and it's overpriced and you shouldn't waste any of your money, but what, what, you know, it happens to all of us. And now, final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Engage. <laughs> It wasn't good, but it was funny. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up. There he is, pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Final thought? Yeah, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I went to two warehouse clubs the other day, and I got so many free samples that I didn't have to eat dinner. They were giving away raviolis, and I got my fill. Uh, Yeah, yeah, well, mm, 
It's age. Hey, uh, Positive Sean, producer, final thought? Yeah, also food-related. There's a uh, there's a baker in the newsroom, a notorious baker, and her muffins today are probably the best thing I've ever tasted that oh, she did. Oh, no. I that, don't want to hear that. that. I, that it's a good I thing I didn't say hear it. that. I didn't say that. What flavor? I don't know. It's like a caramel thing. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. It's... Chocolate and strawberry. What? What? A chocolate strawberry muffin? It's insane. My final thought comes courtesy of Mike. It's a sign in beautiful Monterey, California. It's a road sign. Want to help the needy? Rather than give money to street solicitors, contribute to recognized local charities and benefit our community. In other words, don't give to begging junkies at street corners to buy drugs. That's what they are. It's why they want it. It's a quality of life thing. If you see somebody giving money to junkies at a corner thinking they're kind and generous, roll down your window and say, Hey, stupid, give your money to a charity. Epithets are your choice entirely, and the Armstrong and Getty Show does not take responsibility for you hurling epithets at strangers. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of our podcasts are there. The long form, the, the show repackaged, our One More Thing podcast, plus the articles, the videos we mentioned. Email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's sad. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say... How very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Heady fogging. The word ought not to have been used. Armstrong and Getty.